Welcome to the Leading Through the Enneagram podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Pritz. Together, we will explore how the Enneagram typology system applies to leadership. We interview leaders that share their Enneagram journey and how it's impacted the way they lead in their organizations, in their communities, and in their personal lives. Hi, Beth. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So I want to start, we chatted just a little bit before we hit record, but I wanted to start with just how we know each other. And it's so interesting because we work for the same organization for quite a while and we barely ever work together. And now we work together (laughs) quite a bit, uh, both in our own consulting businesses. So I'll tell you a story and maybe I've told you this before, but I remember the first time I met you and we had rolled out a new leadership model in the organization we were at. And I saw you up there facilitating that group. And I happened to be going through coach training at the time, which I was very secretive about. I didn't tell anybody about this. There were a few people that knew, but I didn't openly talk about it. Everything you were saying, I'm like, yes, yes, this is coaching. Yes. Like, this is amazing. This is, these are great leadership principles. So I was very impressed the first time I met you with just the content that you had to offer, the way you led the room. I think you made it really safe for everyone to be able to to speak up. Um, I know I got emotional in some of our small little breakout sessions, you know, talking through some of those things. So anyway, you have a real gift for facilitation and creating a safe place for people to land. So I appreciate that about you. Yeah, Yeah. I appreciate that so much. That's my that's my happy place. So (laughs) yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll stay in the happy place. I think it serves so many people and I see it serve you too. I see you, yeah. you know, light up when you're in that space. So yeah, really it's cool. definitely, you know, it's, I feel incredibly blessed to have a job that, and Lucy is shaking. So she's saying hello. Um, but I feel incredibly blessed to have a job that I really love. Like not everybody gets that. Um, yeah. And it, every time I'm facilitating, I get reminded of that gift. So yeah. Well, you wrote a book, my friend. I did. I wrote it. You're book. my first published author I've had on the podcast, I believe. So oh I'm your um, first, but I'm sure not your last. No, for sure. Um, so I really enjoyed reading the book. It's been really fun to kind of get the introduction part of it. I told you up front, I didn't completely finish it yet. And I feel like I'm not doing like Oprah would do where she always <laughs> reads the books. I mean, she is always very like, she has yeah. a really good knowledge base of these books. Yeah, if she, she doesn't does. read the book, she has somebody that is really great at giving like her you know, notes, right? a virgin yeah. for sure. So, so apologies for that, but there were, um, you know, the first, you know, 50 pages, some really good insights that sort of made me uh, perk up a little bit about, Hey, let's, I want to dig in a little bit deeper um, mm-hmm. with you on this. And so Obviously, the podcast is centered around the Enneagram. Um, it doesn't mean that's all we talk about. We talk about leadership and the Enneagram. And your book is called Crisis Proof Leadership. So yes. perfect, perfect place for us to be. And after the last two years, I think many of us have had to lead through a lot of a lot of crises for sure. So, yeah. and that's really what prompted me to write it. Is you know, yeah. I was talking to leaders and clients that you know, we're really struggling and struggling in a different way than we had really seen leaders struggle. And it got me super curious about um, how to best help them and what were the real um, practical and tactical things that people could do to help their teams Yeah, um, as everyone was struggling. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, you have your seven principles, which I love the little visual in the book. And the one that really stood out to me that I think is very connected to the Enneagram, I could probably connect them all to the Enneagram if I really wanted to. But the one that really stood out to me was that you said extreme self-awareness. And so, you know, I've heard self-awareness. We've all heard that. What does extreme self-awareness mean to you? Because I have not heard it in those terms. Yeah. And I did it really intentionally because I think... um Certainly, you know, we can all be self-aware on some level, right? Like you can understand certain things about yourself just through being human and, you know, learning from life lessons as they come up and that kind of thing. And I think we all have some level that's just there. But I think to be a really effective leader, especially in times of crisis, like you've got to ramp that way up. This can't just be like surface level self-awareness. You've really got to understand who you are, why you want to be a leader, What's important to you as a leader? Um, what are you really great at? What are you really terrible at? And you probably shouldn't do. <laughs> you yeah. know, like what what is there and what um, works for you and what doesn't. And you know, research just shows time and time again that the leaders who have the most self awareness lead better, and that can't be argued with. It's just factual. <laughs> And I think it's also anecdotal because you can, I mean, I'm sure you've had leaders that you've worked with before or even worked for that didn't have a high amount of self-awareness. And when you're working for a leader like that, it's torture, you know, it's really hard and it's not a fantastic experience. Um, So I think we know it both like intellectually, but also you just know it from like what you've experienced probably with leaders that you've worked for. Yeah. When I always find the leaders with higher self-awareness are more open to the feedback about their self-awareness. Oh, yeah. And when yeah. we have lower self-awareness, it's like we get defensive, you know, there's just all these things that come out. And so I think it's kind of like, yeah, you, you can approach them in a totally different way when they have a higher love, level of self-awareness for sure. Yeah. I think that's super, I, I think that's incredibly true. You know, that, that when you work on your own self-awareness that also helps you be more open to other people's thoughts. And and also like when you receive a piece of feedback, like I still remember this um, as a leader uh, at the organization that we worked at together. I once had somebody that I did a lot of work with say, you know, something I've really noticed about working with you, Beth, is you don't always provide a ton of detail uh, when we're working on a project together. And, you know, I need more detail than that. And I was like, right, I'm the worst about that. I apologize. Like that... I'm terrible at that. (laughs) So I was like, so once, you know, we're, we're already on the same page. There was never a moment of like, oh no, how dare you say something? (laughs) I was like, yes, you're right. I'm terrible at that. So let's figure out, um, knowing how terrible I am at that and knowing that you have a need for that. Let's figure out how can I do that in a way that works for you? Um, and we, you know, over the course of the next couple of weeks of conversations, we figured out something that worked really well for both of us. Um, but I think it started with like no defensiveness. (laughs) I could have taken that as like, how dare you? Sure. (laughs) I was like, right. I'm the worst sometimes. (laughs) Well, the other thing I've noticed, and this is true in the research when they look at it is that people often will, will overrate their level of self-awareness. And so yeah. I know a couple of years ago, I would have rated myself as having high self-awareness. And when I think about the version of me two years ago, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. I have a significantly higher level of self-awareness over the last several years. 
I think during the pandemic, a lot of people, um, you know, they were able to kind of grow that a little bit because they they were forced yeah. to in some regards. Um, and that was really hard. I mean, it's not an easy journey mm-hmm. to build self-awareness. It's not fun all the time. It's not comfortable. It can hurt. It can sting to believe yeah. these things about ourselves that aren't so great. And we all have them. So yeah. kind of getting into the Enneagram conversation, I think that's what it did for me is being able to see not only the great things about me, but it was a gut punch. I mean, when I discovered that I was an Enneagram 9 and I read some of the the hidden side, the darker side, it hurt. I mean, it yeah. didn't feel good. And I experienced that with clients sometimes where they're like, geez, Rachel, like, what are you trying to do to me? I mean, this is really hard stuff. And so... You know, self-awareness, empathy, some of those things have been like wrapped into what we call, you know, soft skills. There's nothing soft about any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. This is really, really, really hard work. The tactical stuff, we can check the boxes all day long. Like this is, this is hard work. It's absolutely hard work. And I just want to give you a shout out because that, um, I'm also a nine just for the record. And I know that because of you. I thought I was a two for years and then I went through your training and I was like, oh crap, I'm a nine. (laughs) I did not realize that. And also like that, that really shook me, honestly. Um, That was early in the pandemic. And I remember just being like, who am I? What's happening? Like, this is like a whole different area for me to work on that I didn't have full awareness around. And I think that's why it's important to, you know, no matter how self-aware you might think you are in this moment, you have to constantly keep your eye on it because you can be extremely self-aware in one moment and then have this blind spot show up that you never saw coming. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) And that is, um, you know, I think that can sometimes get in in people's way. You think, okay, I'm self-aware now. I can just like check the box. This is, you know, this is ongoing work for every single human. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine two years from now, I'll, I'll look back and say, oh my gosh, I thought I was yeah, self-aware exactly. two years ago. I can't imagine, exactly. you know? So I think it's just, it's kind of a beautiful thing that this is our life's work, you know, yes. to continuously build on on this self-awareness piece. So, and I know you and I have worked with other tools, um, you know, Myers-Briggs, DISC, Finder. Yeah. they're all good data points. So yeah. I'm not here to say the Enneagram is the only way to do this. I think they've all given me something to uh, to kind of explore, observe, learn about myself. And they have a great um, context to use all of them in. You know, like with teams, yeah. there's, there's really great ways to use, use all of these tools. So I always invite people to say like, these are just, this is just information. It's just data yeah. points. Um, for me personally, the Enneagram just hit me harder and deeper than other tools did. You know, yeah. and so for some people, that will be true of those other tools. So, um, so I'm just kind of curious. Like you said, you learned you were a nine, which I know the first time we talked to you, were, you said you were a two, and you were saying all these things. And I was like, I'm not sure if this is because I'm a nine, because sometimes that can happen. Like we can kind of project yeah. our own type yeah. on other people, but I'm like, pretty darn sure she's a nine. But I was like, yeah. okay, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I'll tell her. Hey, maybe you should explore the nine, which I think was the conversation. I think that's exactly what you said. More, and you came back and you're like, Rachel, I think I'm, I think I'm a nine. So, and there's a twos and nines have so many similarities. Yeah. So, not unusual for that to happen. But I tested as a three, and I wanted to be a three. Three yeah. sounded like, wow, they're the achievers, they're the performers. And now, what I know, I'm like, well, there's a hidden side to that too, you know. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Um, so anyway, there's a lot of mistyping that happens. And when you discover your type, it doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> no, of- and I, I just remember being like, you know, like the motivation of nine versus the motivation of a two, <laughs> you know, you know, nines, we really just want everybody to be okay. Which mm-hmm. again, you can understand the mistype there between twos and nines. Sure. But for twos, the motivation is truly to help others, right? Like that is the thing. So to find out, oh wait, that has not truly been my motivation. I think that was the part that was hard for me to like reconcile of like, okay, I thought I was this helpful person. Maybe I'm not always this helpful person. And maybe there is some motivation under there. And that was the thing I needed to dig into is like, yeah, sometimes it is true. And I am truly helping to be altruistic, but sometimes I'm helping in order to make sure that you're happy and avoid any sort of, you know, issue in a relationship. And that's a whole different thing. Right. It's a whole different conversation, right? We want this peace and harmony and we kind of don't want to be bothered by the world around us. And it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard to hear. So I'm kind of just curious um, outside of the Enneagram, because you've had a lot of experience in organizational development, Mm -hmm. in the consulting world, helping people grow some of these skills. Tell me about, like, can you just give me an example of a leader that had very high self-awareness where you were like, oh my gosh, like, I mean, this is a person I strive to be like, and how did that impact maybe the organization or their leadership style? Wow, that's a fantastic question. So the person that leaps right to mind um, for like a high level of self-awareness is Carly Cope, who was my leader at the last job that I had. Um, she's a, a HRVP, really phenomenal. She was my um, direct leader. And she just lived that um, self-awareness piece so beautifully of truly embracing what she was great at trying to manage around what she wasn't and making sure she was hiring for what um, might not be a natural strength and ability for her. And also just being so incredibly open to feedback from other people um, and making sure that feedback was part of the culture of our team. Um, That is definitely the gift she gave me of just like watching her be a fantastic leader. Um, there are a lot of things that I incorporated into my own leadership style because I would watch her and be like, oh, that was good. <laughs> I want to do that thing because that really works. You know, like that's a great thing she did right there. Um, so I learned so much from her. Um, and I'm incredibly grateful for to have gotten to work for her for a couple of years. Um, I would say on the flip side, <laughs> I have certainly worked for and with a lot of leaders who struggled with self-awareness over the years. Um, the one that jumps to mind and I actually tell a story about in the, in the book is I, at a previous um, job I was at, there was an executive who um, I didn't work with a ton, but had gotten involved with um, a program I was working on, a leadership program I was working on. He was coming to be like a guest speaker for that program. It was supposed to be like a kickoff and a, you know, go team, rah, 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 kind of a situation. And he came, it was a dinner event and he came and got hammered. I mean, just hammered at this event and then stood up and gave a speech um, for these people that was really all about how great he was. Um, And again, picture that while, you know, the alcohol level is higher than it should be at a work event. And I just remember sitting there going like, what has happened? (laughs) This couldn't be more what I didn't want to happen at this event. And there was another executive there who actually came up to me 
that evening and apologized because he was like, I cannot believe that just happened. He's, he felt so, so bad about it. And not long after there, that guy was out of there. You know, it was just not a good, um, not a good fit. But he, you know, his level of ego was getting in the way of his ability to actually lead and understand um, how to be in relationship with other people even. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up brought up ego because I think that is a huge, it's almost like the opposite of self-awareness when you're, yes. when you have extreme self-awareness, like the ego is not really there yeah, um, or at least it doesn't show up very often. You may notice right. it comes up you're like, oh, that's my ego talking. Yeah. Yeah. And I talk about ego a lot when we think about the Enneagram uh, because that's all these styles are. This is really just an, an ego that we've created, a persona, a strategy, and when we can get out of that space, that's when we can really be who we are, right? Like yeah. our essential selves can actually come out. And so you look a lot less like your you know, core type when you grow your self-awareness. So that's another piece to this um, for people yeah. to know. So you may have somebody tell you they're a, num- a number on the Enneagram and you know the Enneagram well, and you're like, gosh, I didn't see that coming, but I really respect them and they have a high level of self-awareness. That may be one reason why. Yeah, It's really hard to for me to peg people with a really high self-awareness. And it's really hard for me to peg people with a really low self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think the ego is such a big part of that. And I will say something that I think the Enneagram does better than most tools is it brings you down to like down. Like it's, it's like, Hey, we're going to humble you for a minute here. Yes. These are wonderful things that you can do because of this persona you've created. But here's all the stuff that is getting in your way. And that's how we really make some real change. You know, most of us just live on autopilot in that kind of ego zone. And we can live on a different, you know, different, uh, higher plane if we choose to do that and we're intentional about it. So I couldn't agree more. And I think that's the gift. So I'm certified in a bunch of, you know, personality assessments. But the thing that's different about Enneagram is it lets you go so deep into your own self motivations, shadow side, all that stuff. Like it's a deep tool, um, much deeper than any other tool that's on the market, in my opinion. Be- and I think that is both a positive and a negative. So if your goal is, okay, I really want to uh, work on self-awareness for myself, this is the tool I would recommend every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah. If you want a tool that is like easy to understand, easy to apply to other people to use, this isn't necessarily what I would pick because of exactly what you said. It can be very easy to misdiagnose um, people or to think, oh, I think I'm dealing with a three here when it turns out you're dealing with a seven or a nine or, you know, like you don't really know. Um, and it's a little bit less behavioral. Um, for sure. visibly yeah. behavioral. Yeah. So it's not necessarily what I would recommend for like a team building event. Yeah. Um, if the goal is to give everybody, you know, information about each other, cause it's just a lot of information, but it's great for right. self-development. Best thing I've ever seen. Yeah, no, I am. I am with you there too. I have learned over the years that not every team is ready for this conversation. And I have done some team building events with people in the past where you get in there and you're like, oh, shoot, they're not ready for this yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like a disc or, you know, some of the other tools would have been a better starter tool where I've been using it recently is with boards, which I think is really interesting. And boards turn over, you know, typically, you know, every few years or whatever that looks like for the particular um, board. 
But it's a really great space to use it because most people come in with a certain level of self-awareness. Like they've done some of these other tool, they, their tools, you know, they're kind of at this, this point where they're like, okay, I've done all this. I kind of know what I know. And now I'm going to take them to the next level. And so now they're able to understand one another really quickly and they can kind of expedite their work on the board. So that's been a really cool space to get into and to kind of see those people come together. Because most of them, like I said, you know, they're, they're on the board for a reason. Yeah. And it's because they do have some level of self-awareness already. Yeah. Love that. Love that. I think that's a great application. And I like it for, you know, one-on-one coaching too. It's great because you can really get deep in a way um, that is just harder with other tools. Um, But yeah, I can see a lot of teams. Like if you think about the kind of information that Enneagram gives you, to share that even with a team that might be struggling or might not have high trust, I don't want to tell a a team that I don't have high trust with that I'm a nine. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know that I want to share that with them. Like, that's a, that would be a big thing to disclose, I think. Yeah. Um, So I totally hear that too. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think one of the cool things about um, the Enneagram is it kind of depersonalized everyone else's behavior towards me because I learned that everybody has these things. It's just different for each one of the types, you know? And it's like, oh, I can see that fear triggered in them. That's why they're behaving this way. This has nothing to do with me. Like the aggressive, you know, more aggressive types. Sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, like they would really turn me off and I would get withdrawn with them. And learning the Enneagram, I was like, oh, they just don't want to be vulnerable. They're so scared of vulnerability and they're wanting to be so self-reliant that they're moving towards people, you know, like they're, they're being aggressive because of that. And it's like, well, that's kind of sad, you know, I mean, it's like, I can have a lot of grace and compassion for those different ways that people show up because I've learned all these different styles. And I also found out there was nothing wrong with me, which was cool. Cause I'm like, there's a bunch of minds in the world, you know? So it was like, gosh, I thought something was maybe fundamentally wrong with me because there were times where it's like, why do I do these things? Why do I keep doing the same patterns of behavior that aren't serving me anymore? So there's a lot of beautiful ways. And I think that's all tied into self-awareness, right? That's, that's part of, of what it's all about is like being able to, to see those harder parts, but also give ourselves some, some self-compassion. Like it's like, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's the, you know, that's the kind of shadow side of self-awareness that we don't always talk about. It's something I have one particular client that I, I work with a lot that um, is something she and I talk about a lot, which is you can be self-aware and still give yourself some grace. Like the goal here isn't perfectionism. That's, you know, I'm a big believer that perfection is an illusion. Like you just have to kind of let go of that anyway. Um, So you can't use self-awareness as another way to punish yourself or to tell yourself you're not enough. That's not the goal. The goal is to understand um, what's great about you. What are some potential, you know, areas that might trip you up and might trip you up regularly? And how do you... um, recognize and choose behavior during those times instead of just kind of reacting with the default mode of, you know, conditioned response that you've had over the course of your life. But it it should never, ever, ever be another way to beat yourself up for something. I think especially women, that can be hard. Um, yeah. No, I think that's absolutely true. With many of the clients I've worked with over the past, you know, three years, that's been a huge need for them is having some self-compassion even self-love. And when I ask clients that question, you know, like, do you, can you honestly look me in the eye and say that you love yourself and you offer yourself the same level of compassion that you do to the people around you? And there are tears and eyes almost every single time because they can't say yes to that question. It's yeah. a no. 
And I will say, I find that the more extreme my self-awareness gets, the higher level of compassion I have for myself. So I think those two are really intertwined. Yeah. yeah. Not really something I thought about, but I will, I do think that those two have, they they have something to do with one another for sure. I've also noticed like, as my self-awareness goes up, I, my ability to reach for empathy for others goes up. Yes. Um, Because I think there's something about, you know, you, you understand the humanness of yourself. You understand the flaws in yourself, which lets you then give more grace to others for those flaws. Right. That might be different than your flaws. <laughs> we all have them, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I think is a nice side effect. Again, and if you think about the importance of that as a leader, um, especially in times of crisis, like that's the magic of self-awareness too, is that it will help you with empathy, which um, I think there's an argument to be made for that is the leadership skill to be pulling out of your tool bag right now. Yeah. Um that's it. If you just leaned on that, <laughs> you might be done as a leader. Like you could just be really successful just by um, leaning super heavily into empathy skills. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, you and I have a, a good um, mutual friend. Yes, we do. does beautiful work around empathy. She's taught me a lot just around how to show up and language to use and all of those things. And yeah. man, was I doing it wrong for a long time. <laughs> and in fact, she is featured in the book. So I did an interview with her yeah. for as part of my research for the book. So some of her work is actually in yeah. Crisis Proof Leadership. So yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we'll close this out here shortly. First of all, I do want to say, I don't know why we're acting like we have some like major like NDA we've signed with a company we used to work with. I know. I don't know why we're being weird. We're being weird about it. I know. Community Health Network. Actually, before we hit record, we were talking about how there are just so many amazing people that work for that organization. And neither of us left because we were just horribly unhappy or we thought it was a horrible organization to work for. We did not leave. You, you left a wonderful leader. Oh I left a wonderful leader. Yeah. So it wasn't that. It was more of a, like you and I both had this fire, this nudge, and we've had it for a while where it's like, gosh, I want to do this thing, this other thing outside of, of these four walls. And so just want to give well, a and, shout out to, to community. Like, Hey, yeah. like, this, like that place is a, it was a, still is a wonderful organization a wonderful to work for. And there are beautiful human beings that work there. Yeah, that have been so supportive of both of us in in first like I don't know if I've ever had an experience leaving a company that was so great. Like I uh, was fairly transparent really my full last year about like I, you know, this is not uh, my decision that I'm making this year is am I staying in corporate or am I finally doing this thing and going out on my own? And that has nothing to do with community. It just has to do with, I continue to feel this nudge. And I feel like if I'm continuing to feel that nudge in literally the perfect job for me, there's probably something there, you know, like that is a nudge I probably need to be listening to for whatever reason. And, um, I had nothing but support, um, of that decision um, when I decided to leave. Um, So super, super grateful to every single human there. And I swear, as I've released the book, this is what we were talking about before we hit record, which is there are so many great uh, former, you know, former and current community employees who, as I launched the book, it was like they wrote a book. They were that happy for me that I had written and launched this book. Yeah, And um, everybody has just been such a huge help and support. Yeah. Yeah. That's been fun to watch too. Just seeing those people kind of come out of the woodwork and and support you in, in this journey for sure. So if you had to recommend 
Um, who, who would you recommend this book for? So if it's, you know, an emerging leader, somebody that wants to get into leadership, um, somebody that's been in leadership for a while and is looking to kind of take themselves to the next level, maybe it's all of those. I don't know, but where do you think it fits in there? I think it's definitely both. And the other thing I would throw out, and this is a kind of a bigger leadership conversation, but if, even if you, if you're not in a leadership position at work, but maybe you lead a team of volunteers and something that you or you are really active in your church and you serve as a leader on certain things. Regardless of whether it's a work position, there are things for you in this book because it it will help ground you in purpose and mission around what you're doing with leadership. And I think that's important regardless of, you know, how you're um, kind of manifesting and using leadership in your life. Um, And at, at its core for most of us, we're leading in some way. Right. Regardless of whether that's a title or not. So. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that because sometimes I'll have people without the formal title. They're like, well, I'm not a leader. I'm like, you are. Every, you everyone are. is mm-hmm. a leader. If you're a parent, <laughs> you are like, that's the leader. definition of leadership. Yep. And you want to talk about spaces where crisis comes in. Holy smokes. So, Boy, is that the truth? As I'm navigating parenting a preteen now, like, <laughs> yeah. the opportunities for crisis are just yeah. at any moment. So, yeah, there's. Yeah, and we there's... think of like the pandemic and sort of the crisis <laughs> around educating our children, you know, all these yeah. things. And so I find when I read leadership books that I can absolutely apply that to my personal life and, and parenting and leading these human beings and shaping and form them, forming them to their full potential. I mean, that's the definition of leadership. That's exactly so. right. And, you know, I don't have formal direct reports right now. I don't have anybody that works for me all the time. I have some folks that kind of come in and out and do work for me on kind of a case-by-case basis. But I absolutely serve in a leadership role for my clients and my customers. And, you know, that's still leadership, even without, you know, someone who you're responsible for giving them a raise or writing a performance appraisal. That's still leadership. So yeah, I would say it's for anybody who would put themselves in any of that category. Yeah. Um, And the other thing I'll just say about it is I on purpose wrote it to be, it's 174 pages, you all, because I know leaders are busy. (laughs) Leaders do not have time to read 400 pages on how to be a great leader. Um, And I I was very conscious of word count and page count as I was writing it because I wanted it to be something that was easy to pick up, um, easy to use. It's also like chocked full of like, okay, let's talk about how do we have feedback conversations, but also here's a tool you can use to have your next feedback conversation. Like I wanted it to be actionable. So right. um, my hope is that it it kind of serves as that day-to-day guide for folks. Yeah. Well, thank you so much yeah. for writing it. I know it's been a dream of yours for a long time. Putting all your experience into one book um, is really powerful. And we appreciate you sharing that with the world. I think, um, I think it's a great, it's really great work. Um, and like I said, I've seen you in action. I've seen you practice this in action. So it's fun to have you put that, put that on pages and to offer that to the world. So go out and get crisis proof leadership. Check it out. You're on Amazon. You're big time. I know. It's very weird. Very weird. My son just figured that out recently that he could Google my name and I would come up on Amazon. And I think that's where I finally got like cool points um, with the 12 oh, year old. That's, that's what it took. Yeah. So. yeah. So you want to hear something really funny? I mean, like we're both similar age. I have like 13,000 TikTok followers. I'm like a TikTok for, for our generation. Well, I am yeah. like a TikTok sensation. I realize there's people yes. that have millions of followers out there. My son like did not believe me. So I had oh, to hilarious. show him the number and then he was like, 
are you, is that you? And I'm like, that is me. <laughs> so is it's hilarious. so fun how we have to like prove mm-hmm. to these children, you know, that we, we do some important things occasionally. Yeah. So. Occasionally their, their moms are pretty badass, and yeah. I don't know that the recognition is. <laughs> he still is not all that impressed, but you know, he was, yeah. he did question it. So there's some sort of like impression there. So yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So. Well, Beth, thank you for joining me. And I appreciate the work you do in the leadership space. And I know you offer your clients so many valuable tools and just a space to come and be a sounding board and to help guide and shape their leadership. So appreciate everything you do and your friendship and all of uh, the support as we both um, continue building these businesses. So yeah, right back at you, friend. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. 